All right, and welcome back to Marky Mark and the Fitness Bunch. Today, we are here with Kate Richardson. As a dietitian, we are going to be talking about kind of like weight loss interventions and how they are used in health. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's good to be talking to you. Very excited for you to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of what you do, and kind of, we'll go kind of into how this conversation started. Sure thing. So I am a registered dietitian nutritionist here in Orlando, Florida. I have a history of working in clinical dietetics, but as the story goes for so many of us dietitians, that just is not where I felt like I belonged. So I started seeing people on the side. I was doing uh, group fitness boot camps as a trainer and just started to see some of the people that I was training on the side to help them meet their nutrition goals. And it kind of evolved into a little bit of a side biz. And one of the dietitians in the area that I know owns a company called Nutrition Awareness, and it's one-on-one nutrition coaching. She and I formed a relationship, and she brought me on, and the rest is history. I've been a business partner with Nutrition Awareness, doing one-on-one coaching for people looking for personalized nutrition recommendations and coaching. That's awesome. No, that's amazing. I think, yeah, definitely an untold, you know, a commonly told story of, like, I was a clinical dietitian, realized it wasn't for me, decided to pursue something else. Is <laughs> a very common, uh, a very common story in like the dietitian world as well. And normally I don't do this with guests, but I'd love to kind of talk about how this conversation came to be, um, just because I think it sets a good um, scenario for kind of what we're talking about here. So, did you want me to kind of explain, or did you want to go? I guess I approached you online, <laughs> so I'll go for that. So um, I was. This is our first date story. This is our first date story. Uh, (laughs) I was scrolling on Twitter where all things are happy and wonderful and peaceful. And uh, basically it was a conversation through like a mutual friend. You were basically talking about um, kind of talking about people who are anti-weight loss and how there's definitely people who are like there is, you know, preaching weight loss is always a terrible idea. It was and you're kind of addressing that and kind of like here are some scenarios where Uh, weight loss is valuable and kind of talking about how we shouldn't really approach it as like weight loss. There's never a time to do weight loss for health and kind of, I would love people to see the tweet themselves and kind of in your own words, let me know if I'm missing anything important, but kind of the idea was that like, there's a place for weight loss. We shouldn't always be into weight loss. Yeah. Is that kind of the good? Yeah. I, I, that's pretty much, you know, a lot of what I think of because With any situation, if there's people who are saying the words always and they're taking an extreme side with no flexibility, I like to challenge that when people say something or you should always promote something. I disagree. I feel like I can think of many situations besides maybe like murdering someone. Well, no, there's wiggle room for murdering someone too. It's a blurred line, you know, it's self-defense. But is there ever a situation where we can confidently say we should never or we should always do something, at least in the nutrition world, I, I've yet to find something. Yeah, no, and that's totally a fair point. I think it's also to point out that, you know, just because, and I want to point out as well is that like, so I kind of want to bring out my own bias in this because I think it'll come out in the conversation is that I'm very much a person who focuses almost, I, and again, like I, I would never say never, I would never say always, but to me, weight loss interventions are very situational. That's kind of how I would describe them is that, I, I would describe them more as overused than never to be implemented. And we can kind of go into the conversation there. And what I would love to do with this conversation, the reason I approached you actually is not because we 
um, completely agreed, but actually because I thought that it was important to have this conversation and see what middle ground we can find for people. Because, you know, if one healthcare professional is talking like never talk about weight loss, only talk about other things, and another one is talking about like, well, we actually need to discuss weight loss. I think it's bad for the viewers of that. And it makes it very confusing on like what they should actually do. So what I would love to do with this is kind of talk about like, can we find a middle ground on weight loss interventions are valuable or is there take homes that we can still say to people that they should still do um, whether we agree on the intervention choice or not, if that makes sense. Sure thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. Good. We're always in in agreement. (laughs) So, and I also want to mention as well, like even if there are times that we disagree as well, um, I've talked to Kate before this as well. Kate is lovely and deserves zero hate. Um, So if anybody's on here is like, I don't like what Kate said, she's a fine person and means well. And if we disagree, this is not the place to, I, I am, I am we'll leave that on hate. Twitter. That's where people get <laughs> Twitter's I mean, the dumpster Twitter, fire. If you... <laughs> Twitter's a dirty place. Anyway I know. I, I was telling someone today. I'm like, I think I need to get off Twitter. I'm gonna get high blood pressure in my toilet. It's actually like, very entertaining uh, it to is. watch. It is. It's great to watch. Like I've definitely watched <laughs> some of your like Twitter conversations, but I've never been like, I should jump in on this. That's never been the case. I've never been like, <laughs> I'm just gonna let this go um and talk about that as well but yeah so obviously like it's it's hard because we don't have like a specific client here as well obviously everyone's a little bit different but i would love to hear kind of like when you would use a weight loss intervention when you think it's valuable um and kind of like if you could either do a pretend scenario or kind of like i I don't want people to use this as prescription but kind of like maybe Mm -hmm. you think that most diabetic patients should do a weight loss like something along those lines does that make sense Oh, yeah. So I would never even group people into categories. Every single person's different, which is why my approach is very personalized. At our practice, people come in for an initial consultation that's an hour because I like to dig deep with people. And I think that's what's missing in all areas of medicine, especially Western medicine or the traditional hospital scenario that we think of. Nobody takes the time, not nobody, a lot of people don't take the time to really get to understand a person's desires, their wants, their history, their relationship with food, their emotional relationships to food and their body image, and what their ultimate goals are. And it's really important to ask questions. As dietitians, we have to ask people, what is it that you want? What is the ultimate end goal? If I had a magic wand right now and I could grant you your wish or whatever it looks like, what does that perfect case scenario look like? And then I take all of that information that I obtained from them, you know, what, what's your relationship with food like? What have you tried in the past? How do you feel about, you know, your body image? What's the thing that's keeping you from achieving this ultimate end scenario that you described with me? And I bridge that gap using nutrition. And for a lot of people, but not everyone, a good chunk of people could care less about weight loss. But a lot of people express to me, I feel uncomfortable in my body size right now. I do not feel like I am living the, my best life, as the millennials say. I'm not living my best life because of my weight. It's holding me back. And everybody's reason's different. I had a, a lady on a Wednesday come in, and she was telling me how her family loves to be active. They love to go on hikes. They love to go to Disneyland. They like to do all of these things. And she will try to act like it's no big deal that she can't tag along because physically she can't keep up because of her weight. Her joints hurt. She runs out of breath. And she acts like, oh, it's fine. I'll hang back. 
I don't mind if you guys go ahead. And then she feels not only sadness for not being able to participate in all these fun things with her family, but then she also feels guilt that her family feels guilty that they're going on without her. And so it's a really complex issue. And for her, she wants to lose weight and change how she's eating and become, you know, a different body size so she can live her optimal, her life, her best case scenario. And then I'll have somebody come in who has a terrible relationship with food. They have a poor history of dieting. They've struggled with disordered eating before. And in that case, no, absolutely not. We're not going to put an emphasis on weight loss. We're not even going to mention those words. If they're telling me that they are still concerned with changing their body shape, I would probably refer them to a mental health therapist or somebody who can escalate or, you know, can take on that issue better than I can because that's out of my scope. I'm not trained with, with eating disorders. So I do an evaluation. And if somebody is telling me, yeah, no, I have a history of, you know, bulimia or anorexia or disordered eating, but I still want to lose weight. Okay. That's, that's where I refer them on and weight loss is not a concern, but if they don't have an issue with eating disorders and they don't want to lose weight, then we're not even going to talk about it. Why would I try to put weight, you know, put weight loss on somebody if that's not what they're interested in? Right. You would never force weight loss. Like if they're not coming in for weight loss, you wouldn't be like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to talk about weight loss. Is that kind of Yeah, absolutely. That would be, that'd be stupid. Which, and does, then ha- some... which does happen. Like it's an important yeah. note that there are definitely people who like, they come in for a different issue and they're like, well, you need to lose weight. And then they almost like mm-hmm. ignore the problem itself. So it's good to, I, I do want to make that note that I think that's a noteworthy thing to address. Yeah. And I noticed that a lot of people have uh, experiences with physicians and I'm not putting the blame on physicians. There are amazing physicians out there, but they are busy and they have high client loads. And a lot of times they might say something like, well, lose weight and leave it at that. When somebody comes in with an issue that has nothing to do with their weight and they weren't even thinking about that and they weren't even concerned about that. And I think that's insensitive and that's a problem that healthcare professionals need to be aware of that just because what we see on the outside or what we assume to be a problem isn't actually what our patients, our clients are struggling with. We have to ask those questions. What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you need? How can I help you? Boom, bang. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I completely agree with all of that as well. I want to, and I think it's good that we brought up two scenarios. One that you would do weight loss for, one that you wouldn't, um, which is good as well. Again, like putting the nuance in it, which is important. Uh, I want to go back to kind of the, uh, the joint pain client that you were talking about as well. When we're going, obviously, you don't need to give names or details or confidentiality, of course. But what I think was interesting about that is that so I think we would agree that like increasing their healthy behaviors is definitely a good choice. And that could be a lot of things for this person. Maybe that's drinking more water, exercising more um, things to do to decrease their joint pain. I think the approach that I would take that would be different from kind of what you were talking about is I would agree with increasing the healthy behaviors, but wouldn't we just like, so for me, like I, I work a lot with strength, things like that. So when I hear someone with joint pain, um, one of the things that I want to do is increase their strength, increase their bone density. And for the person who wants to do hikes where you can talk about increasing aerobic capacity. Um, if they're a person who does, you know, if they're a person with more weight, which I'm assuming is the scenario here, maybe it's not, Mm -hmm. um, that I would, okay. Then, then I would be like, all right, let's make you strong enough. And, you know, aerobically, um, athletic enough, so that whatever body weight you're at, you would be able to do that. And also would kind of focus on, instead of the weight itself, let's focus on like the healthy behaviors, which probably would be pretty similar to what you would say. Can you focus, I guess the difference is, is that I would just focus on the healthy behaviors and the strength, which would be the difference. 
what is the value of focusing on the healthy behavior changes as well as working on the weight loss? Like, like, because I think the, 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 the conversation I hear a lot of the time is that whether you're anti-weight loss or weight loss, the focus still goes down to like, well, let's fix your healthy behaviors and do things that make you healthy. Like we almost have weirdly the same diagnosis, similar diagnoses, diagnosis. Um, <laughs> but one of us addresses weight loss and one of us doesn't. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes, I mean, that's exactly what I would chalk it up to. I mean, if somebody comes to me and the purpose of her seeking out a dietitian is for weight loss, then we're going to address it. But it's not the, the focus. It's just a teeny tiny sliver of the pie. In fact, I relate it to Mount Everest. I mean, if her ultimate goal is to be a smaller body size, all right, that's the very tippy top of the mountain. That's the top of Mount Everest. But it's one foot in front of the other to climb that mountain. And weight loss has nothing to do with what it's actually going to take to get her there. So if her motivating factor to make healthy changes and to make healthy behaviors, whether that is related to eating and sleep and stress and exercise, that's what we're going to focus on. It's not going to be about the scale weight. That's the destination, but that's not what's going to get us from point A to point B. So I don't feel like there's that big of a difference in the way we would approach it. Otherwise, other than what you just said is I... I acknowledge the weight loss. I acknowledge the desire and I respect that because I believe if that's what she wants and if that's what's going to keep her motivated and that's something that's going to make her feel like this is worth doing, which in her case was part of the reason, then sure, I'm going to acknowledge it, respect it and honor it. But the emphasis is on those healthy behaviors. It's that putting that one foot in front of the other every single day, doing the things that are going to make her feel better in whatever that looks like for her, you know, if it's energy wise, if it's emotional wise, if it's weight wise. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that actually kind of points out, and this is, I think this is, this is why Twitter is a dirty place. Uh, because I think when you get a Twitter really sets up and especially in the nutrition world really sets up, like whether you agree on the 95%, the 5% yeah. is what's going to come out. And I think that's yeah. kind of the scenario we have here where, um, for yourself, like weight loss is kind of like, well, if that's what motivates them to make the healthy behavior changes, then I'm going to focus on the weight loss with the idea that it would bring so many of these other things. Yeah. And I, I can understand, you know, I'll be honest, I can understand why that perspective would make people upset because the truth is all of us, no matter who we are, we're all human and we all have our own experiences with food or weight or body image. And it's, normal to project our own personal bias on people. So I understand that when I or somebody else says something like, if a client is motivated to lose weight, and that sole desire to change their body composition or lose body fat is what gets them to adopt and stick to and maintain healthy habits that will improve their life in many other ways, then that's fine. I'm not going to take the focus off the weight. And as a professional, I want to be there to, to guide them to do it the right way so it doesn't become an obsession. But I can see why people would be upset by that because maybe they've had an experience where weight loss manifested into something way worse, whether that was disordered eating or you know, some kind of mental obsession. And I, I can respect that. And I feel like that's where Twitter gets crazy, like you were saying, because we don't take time. We, we feel something, we read something, it triggers us, and we immediately type out something really fast and we hit submit and it just all out war, right? Instead of what we all need to do is take a step back and be like, okay, this is a human. There is a human on the other side of the screen. This human has had experiences that I don't know. Humans are very complex. They have a lot of feelings and personal bias and judgment. 
How can I respectfully have a conversation and understand their point of view and acknowledge and empathize with what, with what they've been through and why they're putting a certain message out there? And how can I respond in a way that still respects that and honors that and gets a good conversation going? And that's the thing that I feel like is missed in what makes this whole health and nutrition world seem like it's up in flames. Where at the end of the day, I would say 99% of us just really want to help people and do what's best for people. And it all gets misconstrued with our, with our own feelings that we put into words. And I'm guilty of it. I can admit that. Sure. Yeah. And I think like, again, when you only have 240 characters, it's hard to <laughs> express real empathy to someone else's, right? Like that's what kind of the beauty of like long form conversations like this as well, as opposed to like, you know, how can I show how nuanced I am? in yeah. 30 words like I think that's Mark, the real the real challenge that reminds me of okay so I love the Joe Rogan podcast which I'm probably gonna get hate for that too because no, he's great about that I'll, I'll <laughs> okay cool some, I think he's great me too and I get some women who get so mad at me about that but I'm like you know what I'm sorry no one's perfect but he made that point when he had uh Bernie Sanders come on his podcast he's like you watch these debates which is you can you can equivalent this to Twitter you watch these debates and these politicians are screaming and they have a short amount of time to get a point across and nobody actually gets to listen to these people as humans. So you see Bernie Sanders, and I'm not going to talk about my political affiliation. Sure, yeah, you fine. see Bernie Sanders and people like snap their judgments about any candidate. And you see him and you have this idea about him, but you don't actually know what's going through his mind. So when he sits down on the Joe Rogan podcast and they have an hour long conversation where the dude just talks, you're like, oh, like. Yeah, he's got these ideas that I don't agree with, but like, let, let's listen to his actual explanation and who he is as a person. And I feel like Twitter is the same thing. You don't get the whole story. You just get a little snippety snippet and you make your judgment and you react based on your feelings. For sure. No, I totally agree. Um, I am going to move the conversation back to nutrition instead of politics. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, that was just a parallel. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. You're using it as a, as a great comparison. I just want to make sure that we stay on topic. Um, one of the things I was going to mention as well is that, so like one of the concerns that I've always had is kind of like, so I just want to be upfront that like, I'm not really a weight loss coach, I guess. It doesn't really, I really focus on strength and health outcomes through, uh, I really think that like focusing on strength for a lot of women goes a lot of ways, um, in terms of health benefits, as well as like building confidence through a type of training that is not about their aesthetics or if they mm -hmm. lose weight. That's really the focus that I have with my training. Um, I don't mm -hmm. ask my clients what their weight is. It never comes up, but I'm really just focused on like, you know, can we make you stronger, make you feel stronger, uh, both in and out of the gym. The concern I always had for weight loss as well is that, and we can kind of talk, we might have to like get into the data on this one, is that kind of the fact that there is a pretty significant regain weight that exists with weight mm -hmm. loss interventions, uh, both dietetic and not. And my always concern is that they're going to be successful for a bit. They're going to lose the weight, feel better, post before and after photos throw it on the gram like the whole mm -hmm. the whole thing and then what it but it, what it's doing later is kind of setting themselves up for when the regain happens uh that it sets themselves up for feeling like a failure you know one to five years down the road depending on what data you look at so that's always my concern focusing just on weight loss just because mm -hmm. and that's why i've kind of shifted to strength because strength doesn't quite have the rebounds that we, you know, whenever you hear about the weight loss journey, you know, it's never just like losing one pound every week until you finally get to that goal weight. Like that's not the story. It's always, you know, down to up one, down a half pound. Like it's, it's very like up and down. 
my always concern with that is that I didn't want to set up my clients for future failure after they started working with me or feeling like they failed or their body, you know, shifted basal metabolic rates or their hunger levels went up. So they regained, you know, some, if not all of the weight that they lost with me. That was always kind of the reason that I steered or not one of the many reasons that I steered away from kind of being a weight loss coach. Is that something that you address in weight loss interventions or something like how, how do you how do you avoid that? I guess is kind of what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, is being really clear about what patients and clients can expect, being really transparent with them about the data. And then I love that you're a strength coach and you emphasize that because, you know, we look at some recent data and we look at the new studies that's showing that, okay, yeah, we might have initial weight to take off, but at the end of the day, what seems to be more important to people if you ask them is the body composition, not so much the scale weight. So encouraging people as they start to make healthy changes to put on muscle, especially women, in shape of physique so that their basal metabolic rate does stay high and they don't have to consistently feel like they need to cut back on what they're eating. And then of course, giving them that initial education of, hey, you know what, when you do lose weight, here's what happens to your leptin levels. Here's what happens to your metabolism. And then of course, being responsible and not putting them on insanely low calorie diets. And I'm always curious about these studies. It was, it's how, what was the weight loss approach? Was it something that was slow and gradual and steady? Or was it something where people initially lost a lot of weight really quickly and then weren't able to maintain it? I mean, I, th I think the very low calorie diets, kind of the, I'm going to take a shot at a lot of uh, weight loss programs, is kind of the idea that it makes for very good testimonials. So oh, 100%. You, you lose, you know, if you're on 800 calorie diet, like you're going to lose 30 pounds super fast. And then you're going to get yeah. the before and after photos and the testimonial and promote Weight Watchers, which I'm going to hate on right on my podcast. Hey, I'll shit on them too with you. Sorry, Good. I didn't mean to cuss, but no, no, you're not the first. You won't be the last. <laughs> um, it, but it's one of those things. And then you know, two years later, it turns out that you can't live on a 1,200 calorie diet, and you regain the weight back, and then feel bad about it. And then you know, they were like, "Well, I lost weight on Weight Watchers, so let's go back to them. They worked the first time." When I think yeah. like, the conversation, I really want to say is that no, Weight Watchers didn't work. Weight Watchers gave you that first step, but. When people, you know, the regain weight, and this is always kind of like the concern about it for myself is that at the beginning, you know, you want to make sure that they're optimistic about their situation and how it's going to go. I think when you talk to people at the beginning for a weight loss intervention and you're like, hey, listen, this is going to be a grueling task. It's going to, the scale's going to go up and down. There's going to be months where you don't see any progress at all. Just stick with it. I promise by the end, it'll be fine. I think if you're a person who is starting that journey, I think that would almost deter them from not doing the program. That would be my concern. They're almost too informed. Does that make sense? I disagree with that, but I understand that perspective. And I can see that would be a case with some people. From my lens is the people that I attract and the people that will invest in our services are the people that have tried all of those fad diet things before. They've done Weight Watchers. They've... I, I disagree with that because the people, at least through my lens, that I tend to work with, the people that invest in my type of coaching are the people that have done those quick fixes in the past and they're over it. They're done. They have lost the weight, regained it, lost the weight, regained it, and they feel just, awesome. what do I do? How do I, I approach this? And that's where I can really say, okay, here's the thing. Here's what you need to let go of. You need to let go of instant gratification. You need to let go of the idea that change happens overnight. We have to find small wins and small victories to keep us motivated throughout this long 
journey to get you from to where you want to be. And for some people, it has nothing to do with weight. It's not like everyone I work with wants to keep losing weight. Some of them are just like over it. They like don't care anymore. They just want to have a yeah, healthier wanna, relationship with well, the food in their body. Is, is Kate is not necessarily like I just for the, the audience. It's just it's just to be clear, Kate is not necessarily like a weight loss coach. I want to no. like like Kate. This is a this is a small part in what she does. Um, mm-hmm. She's you know, you're clearly informed for the conversation, which is why we're having you here. But you're not necessarily like like weight loss is not your twenty four seven nine to five job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I take a, I would say a moderate approach and I believe in client autonomy. So whatever a certain type of, of client is looking for, I'm going to do my best to get them there using what I know. So it's setting that expectation up and being like, you know what, the reason why you're here today is because either you have done those quick fixes things and they've blown up in your face, or you've understood that, that that's not the right way to do that. That's not the healthy way to do that, both mentally and physically. I think that's important. And that's where I really can can relate to people who are posting online and who are really, really anti-diet because when we think of diet, we think of those traditional type of low calorie or weight loss programs that just emphasize that quick win to build their business and get more heads in the door, you know? And that's where I'm like, yeah, I, I agree with you guys 100%. There is nobody who needs to be on a you know, a thousand calorie diet or whatever that is and making themselves miserable and doing hours of cardio to lose weight. Like, no, that that's that needs to be squashed. That whole idea of healthy living needs to go in the garbage can and never be recycled. So I think that's a, a commonality that many dietitians, I would say 99.9% of dietitians and health professionals can agree with. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a really good point to make is like kind of that it is a journey and kind of, you know, creating small steps along the way to keep them, I guess, motivated towards the goal as well. I I mentioned as well, like I'm kind of referring back to kind of some of the content you put online is talking about, you know, make sure that they're an educated consumer, uh, like know what they're signing up for, like kind of what the best healthcare approach, like kind of the idea is like be informed on who you're working with and like how it goes. Like, is that kind of the, I I think uh, one of the, questions that I have as well is that nutrition information is such a minefield that for anyone who's not in the field, you know, Bernstein's Weight Watchers, uh, you know, I saw something like called the five bite diet, like things like that. Like there's so (laughs) much, uh, which is actually coming up in a later podcast. I'm really excited about, but uh, there is kind of this conversation that like, I think to become an educated consumer has almost never been harder because you get some people who are really anti-weight loss, like never focus on weight loss at all. You have some people who are very for weight loss where obesity mm-hmm. is an epidemic. How, as you, as like a person who's not educated in the field, didn't take a nutrition degree, how would you recommend that they figure that out? Like what, how, how do they know what's informed and how do they know who's best for them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say with any decision in your life and trying to figure out what's best, because you could relate this to all sorts of fields, is start backwards. Start with, okay, what do I want? What do I want? And then work backwards. What's it going to take me to get there? What do I not want? What do I not want to do? And then you have to invest time in doing research. Look up professionals in your area. Read about them. Ask them questions. I love when people call up from our website or send me emails and they interview me to make sure that I'm a good fit. And that's the responsibility of the consumer. And that's the responsibility of anybody who's trying to look for a service, whether it's related to their health or related to their car or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do I want? What do I want? And, and what do I not want? And ask questions. And don't get your information from Netflix documentaries. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I think that's an important conversation to have as well, though, is that when yeah. you see, you know, when we talk about advertising and stuff like that, like your approach, while more scientifically evidenced, let's compare it like just from an advertising perspective. What sounds better to an uninformed consumer when they're looking at information is someone who's going to put you through the journey. It's going to take a long time. There's going to be small wins. Mm -hmm. but the big one will come at the end. Or someone who's like, listen, take my keto shake. You're going to drop 20 pounds in a month. Feel great. Look amazing. While their claims are not scientifically backed, I think for the consumer, I could understand them being like, well, I'm going to take this person. I'm going to get results right away. I'm going to mm -hmm. feel amazing. All I have to do is buy their smoothie as opposed to this yeah. person where I'm going to have to do like, you know, weekly or bi-week, whatever setup you have, you know, bi-weekly to weekly meetings. To me, like, again, like we know the fields a lot better than the uninformed consumer, but for someone who's looking into the information, how would they know like, do you, do, how would they not fall for that quick fix trap that is so common in the nutrition world? Good question. I don't know if I have the best answer. I think as dietitians and nutrition and, and health experts, it's our responsibility to put out content and put out information and be the voice behind why these quick fixes are detrimental. And then it's up to the person to decide and take that research for what it is. However, I don't even try to target that market. I mean, if somebody out there is looking for a quick fix, I'm going to do my best to educate them on why it's not the best approach. But if they are resistant to that, then I'm not the best dietitian for them. I'm not the best fit for them. I'm not the best option. And I'll be there when they're ready to, to do it a different way or when they're ready to take a different approach. I'll welcome them with open arms. But if that, I mean, that's going to always be our market. The, the weight loss industry and wellness industry is a trillion dollar energy industry. And it's only getting bigger and right. we're have, competing have, to that. They have so much more funding and resources and advertising. Yeah. That's always my kind of concern is like when people are like, how do they fall for it? I'm like, I mean, I get it. Like it's, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah I'm sure I fall for it and other, <laughs> other things sure have, too, I'm you sure know, in other domains. I've definitely bought yeah. stuff that like realistically, I'm sure an educated person in that field would be like, well, that was <laughs> like I'm sure that's happening. Yeah. Like, yeah like it's right you know we can't be experts at everything and that's where the same position like if I was going to invest in a financial advisor I'm sure somebody could trick the heck out of me by posting some claim on there by you know make this much money in this amount of time and okay like yeah of course but then if I learn the lesson the hard way next time you bet your bottom dollar I'm gonna do my research and find the right financial advisor and so same thing goes with dietitians and, and strength training coaches is sure, you know what, here's why you shouldn't do this quick program or look at that Instagram influencer and buy her, you know, random training program with a bunch of typos in it. Here's why you shouldn't waste your money or your time. And if you, if you want to keep going for that, then sure. But if not, if you want to do it right here, here's me, here's my option. Yeah. It's not the sexy glamorous way. It's a little bit slower and it's more intense and it takes hard work, but all good things take hard work, so. For sure, and that's you, you, my, have that's my a, answer. you have at least, a word. yeah, for sure, and it is a tough question, and uh, for the industry as well, and it's kind of one of the things, like, whenever I see someone who has really quality content, I always try and promote them for that reason, if only just to, like, try and fight the battle to those who are less, um, with less good intentions as well. You know, um, you know Mark, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry, no, but for that's sure. such an no. important point because as we talk about all these different opinions from healthcare professionals, I feel like we're kind of doing our entire industry a disservice. Instead of all of us uniting under, you know, a commonality of we just want to help people the right healthy way, 
we just attack people. And instead we should be sharing really great posts and really great people in our industry and building them up and investing the energy that we are typically using to tear people down on online. And said we should take that energy and, and channel it into a positive way just to build it up, you know, and put good stuff out there. I think that idea works nicely uh, in theory. Here's the, problem that I have, <laughs> here's the problem I have with that is that, but I think it comes from a good place is that, yes, we should bring up the people who have really good content and really knowledgeable and have their best ideas and heart. And we should uh, praise those people. I think that the difference would be like, if you were to create a list of those people and I were to create a list of those people who we think those people are, it would be a different list. Like, I think mm -hmm. everyone praises the people who we think are good. Like I, I mm -hmm. praise strength coaches who I think are amazing um, and nutritionists and dietitians who I think do a really good job. But maybe you would also look at those people and some of them might be on your list, like we'd have some commonalities, but we would end up with maybe there's some people on there that you would have that I would disagree with, if that makes sense. Oh, like that's, yeah. So I think that's like, and because we have uh, differing opinions that while the idea of let's, you know, praise the people who do really well, I think that definition is almost, uh, everyone sees that definition as different. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. So we should all just, instead of, tearing other opposite sides down whatever people you personally agree with just praise them up you know we can disagree to, so instead you know, of instead then... of hating just like the people you like just, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah no i think that would be a great approach as well and it would make twitter a better place but uh you know here we are and but then nobody would use it <laughs> no one ever use it then twitter would die and then the algorithm would <laughs> the algorithm would be crushed and then we would find a new zealotry to show up um, yep. I also want to talk about kind of like what the value of BMI is and kind of like how different fat percentages are measured and kind of like the validity of them as well. Yeah. Um, because for me, like BMI to me, the problem I always have with BMI is that it almost, it works with this like theoretical person, but it's so theoretical that almost no one is actually that person. <laughs> yeah. Like who, who is the one person that actually like, they're like, this is for, this works for the average person. But when you look at like who their average person is, is like such a rare human being. <laughs> so like anybody who works out doesn't count. Anybody who's yep. active in any way doesn't count. Uh, so you pretty much have to be like sedentary um, in a metabolic ward like given exactly <laughs> 2000 calories a day. So for me, like BMI is almost such a specific situation that it's almost useless. I, I, for myself, I'll share this with the audience is that I am like this close to being obese on the, yeah. on the, on the uh, BMI calendar. I think I'm like 29.5 or something along those lines. <laughs> um, but part of that as well, but I just like, don't make sense. But when you look at the exceptions, I would like never be counted for on the BMI scale. So. Yeah, no, I, everything you said, I feel the same way. <laughs> okay. It's, 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 I don't, I don't want to say it's useless, but I would say it's useless. It's getting there. Oh, it's God, either it's, getting like there it's or it's definitely there where like the person, the client you would have to have for BMI to be effective is like so unusual yeah. that it would be like, it, yeah, it was one of those things. Yeah, I, I'm just I so, okay. Like, I don't even know. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of a situation in which it might be semi-relevant. And I think of maybe the intensive care unit if someone's on a ventilator and you can't quite do a, a physical assessment to see their muscle mass and maybe you're just infants. calculating and think. they're on the tube. Yeah, maybe, yeah, but, but they don't really use 
the BMI for instance. Well, they, they, they have would their, use like, the growth like chart. A, isn't there? Yeah, like they have their own thing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. BMI still wouldn't apply to them because it applies to the adults. Uh, so yeah. So what just, is like, funny is like everyone I talk to is on the same page as us, Mark. They're like BMI is stupid, but then you still hear people talking about it, and I'm like, what? What? Just like, can we just not even use this as a metric? <laughs> Well, I think it's because it's been so commonplace that, yeah. like, and I think as educated professionals, like, we have decided not to use it. But there are definitely people who, like, ride or die on the BMI scale that are not. You know what I've noticed, in at least in my practice, is there's a lot of men. A lot of men focus on the BMI. I have a lot of men that come in there, and when I ask them, you know, what their ultimate goals are and what they want to get out of working with a dietitian, they're like, I'd like to be in the normal, healthy range of BMI. And I'm like, what? Like, and you ask a woman and she goes into all this detail. She's like, I want to feel this. I want to look this. And the guy's like, I want to be a number. And I'm like, we're still talking about BMI here. It's okay. It's like, yeah, no, it's really, I'm kind of like, I think, it just, I just think it's outdated and we should use different metrics. I'd actually talk about the different metrics as well. It's kind of like uh, on fat percentages, you know, there's different ways of measuring. My, I have two main concerns always when people measure fat percentages is one, well, actually I have three. The first one is why they're measuring fat percentages. The second is kind of like when you do, because I've done the different scales and seen is that the standard deviation for fat percentages is so high that it's like almost, it loses its validity in a kind of sense. And that one measurement tool, like if you do skin folds compared to like um, underwater weighing, which are both fat percentage tools, that you'll get different answers. Oh, yeah. on the same person be- on the same day and that it's kind of the idea and also like your hydration so many factors have to be the same your hydration level has to be the same how much food you've had that day that like i'm almost at the point where well i am at the point where i'm just like i don't really care your fat percentages like let's just work on like muscle mass and uh making you stronger things like that is do you have any tools that you would use to measure fat percentage yep. or is it something that like okay so let's see what you would use and like kind of why you've chosen that as opposed to something else Yep. So there's a place here locally and they're all over the world. Uh, it's called DexaFit. They've got the DEXA scan. I find the DEXA scan is, of course, every every kind of body fat percentage measurement is going to have variance depending on the, the day, right? Somebody shows up and they are a little bit more, I don't know, water bloated than the next day and that's going to that's gonna vary. But from my understanding, it's the gold standard for measuring body fat. And if you use one way to consistently measure that body fat, and you try to be as consistent as possible, you're going to get a better understanding of what the change is. So one point of data to me isn't really useful, but several points of data are useful so we can see a trend or a change. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, I would love to talk about DEXA as well, because it is considered kind of the gold standard. I think one of the, the issues I always have with DEXA is that hydration, well, one human error is so big, because you're right on the sense uh, that like multiple data points happen, but because of human error, and you know, kind of there's... Um, this is such a lame joke outside of nutrition and fitness, <laughs> but the idea that like, do you want to gain eight pounds of lean muscle on the DEXA? Like just drink a gallon of water and then you can, you know, all become like, like I'm like, you can make yourself look ripped on the DEXA scan. Like you could just chug water. Like it's no big deal because it measures and like DEXA seems to be better than the other ones, but still seems to have real flaws. And when you bring a person, like a real person in, like we're talking humans, not, you know, like a jug of water and muscle essentially, that almost no one knows exactly what their hydration is. Like that's kind of that that's kind of the idea is like, yes, at the same hydration level and time of day, but there's so much human error that exists with it that I, I question its value. Does that make sense? Yeah. I suppose. I mean I, I still feel like it's a 
pretty decent measurement and can give people a great idea of what kind of changes are going on. And I find that it keeps people feeling a little bit more sane about, so uh, for instance, if I have a client come in who's really hyper-focused on the scale and weight loss, and they just keep talking about like scale, weight, scale, weight, scale, weight, then I'd refer them to get a DEXA scan and use that as measurement because especially if it's a woman who's doing aerobic activity or strength training or doing high intensity exercise, then it gives her a little bit more of a sense of peace around the changes that she's making and she doesn't obsess so much over the scale. So even if it is a little bit, there is some, you know, scientific validity debates about it, I find it's still a useful tool to help people stay sane and feel better and motivated. Wouldn't that just, so like, if we're looking at, like, like the scale weight, I think we can both agree, like, has too much power on people, and moving it over, I think, is good. Wouldn't the weight on, the, aren't, wouldn't that just be changing the number they obsess with instead of being the weight on the scale to being, like, the new DEXA stats? I don't know. Maybe it depends on the person. And that's where it's important for the professional to evaluate the person and say like, Hey, you know, do you, and, and point blank ask them be like, you know, there are other ways to measure your progress that don't involve data that don't involve the scale. How do you feel about trying this way? Knowing yourself, because you know yourself better than I do. I do. Do you think this is going to make you feel obsessive and, you know, creating that atmosphere where they can be honest with me and not putting pressure on people to do things because I don't require anybody to weigh themselves. I don't require anybody to get a DEXA scan. And if they say, yeah, you know, I feel like that is going to make me feel a little bit more obsessive. And I'd say, all right, there are so many different ways to measure progress that do not involve any kind of body measurements. So let's pick the best ones for you. And if someone says to me, honestly, I'm interested in that. I would love to be able to look at it and, and see what changes I'm making besides just with the scale weight. And I'd say, here you go. Here's, you know, here's how you can do it if you're interested. But I don't physically do it in office. I just help people interpret the data and and use it. Sure. Fair enough. No, I think that's uh, great as well. So I think we had a lot of good takeaways as well. Like focus on healthy eating behaviors. Even if you're doing a weight loss intervention, kind of like the weight is not the only thing. Uh, Don't focus everything on the weight on the scale. Uh, was there any other main takeaways that I took away from that that I think we both, because I, I, the main focus of this is I really want to make sure that we found something that we agreed upon. Yeah, I, honestly, you know, I feel like we agree on way more than maybe we expected. I feel like the Me biggest too. point, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty, I feel like I'm just pretty moderate, which is, <laughs> I think some people kind of get annoyed when I always have this very moderate approach to things. Because at the end of the day, I think the biggest and most important piece is it should be personalized to the individual. And we have to do our best not to project what we think is best for the person, but what that person needs. And we have to just ask questions. I don't think we do that enough because we all have our own ideas and we feel so passionately and strongly about different things. And we're so excited about ideas and topics and recommendations that we can easily forget to listen to what people need and ask them, say, what do you need? What do you want? What can I help you with? And if we do that, then we can really get to the root of the problem. And it, whether it has to do with weight or not, then we can better serve that person that we're working with. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. I think that's a great way to end off as well. Is there, um, so where can they find you? You mentioned the nutrition awareness. So that's on your podcast as well. Where is, if anyone has any questions, that maybe weren't covered today, where is the best place to reach you? Instagram. You can DM me on Instagram at nutrition.awareness. Okay. And I, uh, your Insta- the Instagram is two people, right? Yeah. So it's me and my business partner, Megan. So you can ask for me or you can just, you know, say like, hey, I heard you on Marky Mark's podcast. 
and we'll know. Okay, so they're not okay. So the the I was like, if they're messaging you, like you both have access to it, not just like mm-hmm. Megan or okay. So yeah, yeah I no, have I, a personal Instagram too, but I mean, you can creep on me through that one through nutrition awareness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, they they can get to you through. I just want to make sure that they can get to you. That was kind of the main focus as well. <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much for coming on kate i really appreciate it um yeah no i think this was a good takeaway i think we found some nice middle ground that we can both agree on and hopefully we uh cleared the air for some of the people who maybe were confused about all the different information that's online yeah i thanks for stalking my twitter and sliding into my dms my pleasure (laughs) all right mark take care thanks everybody thank you